G'day listeners and welcome back to the Keeper League for season 2020. Uh, it's been a it's been a short off season really. It, uh, I don't know. It, it uh, seems like it could have uh, could have gone a bit longer, but we're back behind the mics already, and I'm joined by my co-host Kays. How you going, mate? Good man. That's probably because you managed to fit in about 10,000 hours of uh, work <laughs> on websites, breakout trackers, advertising, whatever the hell you've you you name doing. it. Did you spend any time in the country these uh this off season, mate? Uh, a little bit of time. Yeah, I just went back to you know where my heart is, which is in Japan. It's in yeah. actually just uh, it's a beautiful place. I can highly recommend. Bit of golf in China too. Uh, a bit of golf in China. Yeah, so I've actually been all over the world, over the world really. But uh, yeah. happy to be back. I was actually thinking on my drive to work today. I was like, you know, when it was just a bit cool this morning because it's been so hot, and I thought, geez, I'm ready for that. You know, autumn weather to be back when you just you know get home, put the footy on, and yeah. uh, ready to go. So I'm pretty excited uh, now that we've got stuck into all of our. Kind of research, I suppose, for for 2020, looking at all the teams and, uh, yeah, bring it on. All right. For those who haven't listened to the podcast before, uh, welcome. Uh, it's a new year, I guess. And there might be a few yeah. people who only discovered sure. us over the off season, but uh, yeah, with the AFL Fantasy Podcast, it uh, doesn't obsess over the superstars. We look at the lesser knowns, the guys at the bottom of the barrel that might make a difference to your keeper league when it comes to draft time. So, I think we're going to get stuck into it straight away, Kays. This week we're looking at Adelaide, Brisbane, and Carlton. But before we get stuck into that, let's listen to our first league spotlight of 2020. All right, this week I am joined by Dylan from Brisbane. He's here to tell us about his Keeper League. How you going, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, just trying to smash out these uh, interviews and, uh, yeah, get the uh, season underway. So tell us uh, a little bit about your league. What's the name of it? Uh, how long has it been running? All that sort of stuff. So we, uh, we've we got the South League, so South Australian Ultimate Football League. Uh, it's a league of 12. Uh, it's been running for uh, three years. I think this is the fourth year now. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it hasn't been going through long. I've only been in it for two years. Okay. Um, but uh, that's that's the, the short of it. <laughs> All right. So uh, how's it structured? Uh, what's your squad size? What are your uh, keeper numbers? How does it operate overall? So we, we've done it a little bit differently. Uh, we play cat categories. We, oh, yeah. um, we don't actually play fancy numbers. Um, we, we started with smaller, smaller squads. Um, we, we wanted bigger ones in the beginning, I think, but since we sort of started from the beginning, we started from scratch. Yep. Um, rather than having just big sides that you could keep, we, we sort of improve it each year and expand on it. Yeah. Keeper leagues a lot that are, you, you start them off and then there's always a few rule changes here and there just to make things a bit better. Yeah, well, that was it, and I, I think the original logic was if we did it that way, it sort of stopped um, if, if somebody got a good draft in the first year or two and, and really dominated, um, they can't just hang on to all the good players. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so I think we started with uh, keep a league of, or a keeper list of 10, uh, and now we're up to 12. Uh, next year, we'll have 12 again, but what we've actually also been doing is enforcing an under-50 game rule. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, this year it's, it's 12 plus one, so one under-50 game rule under 50 gamer and then next year it'll be 12 plus 2 and then I think the year after that we're going to go to 13 plus 2 right, and cool. that'll probably probably be capped out from there alright uh, so do you have a uh, premiership cup um, was, was it named after anyone is there like a funny story behind it what's the go there we do have a premiership cup we're actually discussing that today I, uh, I let the guys know in the in the chat that uh, I was going to be on this and uh, we all realised we've never named the cup 
Oh, really? <laughs> so we, uh, everybody's chucking in 10 bucks now, and now we're actually going to get a proper board done, yep. and we're going to get all the names engraved on it. Yeah. Uh, it's going to sit at Commissioner's House, and we're still working on the name for it. That's all right. Um, the few have been thrown around, but uh, nothing's been set in stone yet. Okay. I, I haven't won one yet. I've, I've had a shocking couple of years. I, I inherited a, a, um, a good team and uh, I have just absolutely sent it down the uh, back road. Uh, so it's, <laughs> it's been a, a rebuild and a half mainly on my, my own back. Yep. Um, from some very poor choices. That's uh, all right, mate. This year will be the year you trade. wait. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm hoping so. I had a shocker trade last year where I, um, I don't know why I thought it was a good idea, but Rory Sloan and Steve Sidebottom went out for seven years. Yeah, right. Um, and that was it. That was all I got back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, uh, you know, yeah. you could be worse and you could uh, completely blow up your team. But anyway, um, do you have any uh, punishments for the wooden spooners or do anything funny there or any other funny quirks or stories or anything like that? Yeah, so, uh, well, we... We did have um, conversations about that, but then the problem was I think everybody in our league was so dishonest. We were starting to worry about tanking. Okay. Um, <laughs> to go down to the bottom. So uh, the commissioner ended up having a rule that uh, if you finish, finish top six, yep. uh, you, you get your draft spot, but bottom six, uh, we now raffle off for the, the lottery numbers. Yep. Um, so there's there's uh, there's no punishment for bottom anymore because uh, I think it was just going to get too dangerous. Yep, fair <laughs> enough. All right, cool. Uh, anything else you want to say before we uh, end this? You want to hang any shit in your league mates or say good day to anyone? Uh, yeah, I really want to hang it on the on the commissioner. He is fantastic, but uh, at the same time, we, we need bigger squads. <laughs> <laughs> you can't have a dynasty league with uh, a full five, full five, one four, and a utility, and, and only keep ten uh, twelve players. All right, the uh, the angry mob spoke and say, so, yeah, hopefully your commissioner <laughs> hears you on this one and uh, makes some changes. Anyways, mate, thanks uh, thanks for joining us, and uh, yeah, I hope you have a good year. You too, boys. Cheers. Thanks to Dylan for that one. Always great hearing about all the Keeper Leagues out there. So if you want to feature as a League Spotlight uh, participant, uh, get in touch via our socials and, yeah, we'll organise an interview. But anyway, let's get stuck into the main podcast and we'll talk about Adelaide first up. Okay, do you want to give us your perhaps best 22 for Adelaide? Yep. Uh, we'll have a little bit of a chat about that and then we'll uh, get into some players that we've selected that might make a difference to our keeper leagues. Yeah, so I am putting together all the best 22s from our uh, website this year. So if you're going to abuse someone, abuse me, not Hef. It's uh, got nothing to do with him. But uh, I'm going to start with the Crows best 22. We'll start from the defence. I've gone Jake Kelly, Daniel Talia, Luke Brown, Rory Laird, Tom Duday, Wayne Miller on the wing, Brody Smith, Rory Sloan, and Paul Seedsman in the guts, Riley O'Brien, Matt Crouch, and Brad Crouch. Up forward, Chase Jones, Taylor Walker, Tom Lynch, Ben Keyes in the forward pocket, Darcy Fogarty full forward, and Ned McHenry, Ned McHenry in the other forward pocket. And on the bench, Rory Atkins, Bryce Gibbs, Kyle Hardigan, and Riley Knight. Yeah, look, it's uh, look, it looks quite, quite close to me. I, I know, noticed that you've got Ben Keys in there that I everyone's do. kind of been uh, yes, commenting on yes. it. Um, no, uh, Shane McAdam, no Tyson Stengel. You thought Ben Keys was the way to go? Look, for me, for that kind of forward spot, and it's going to be tough because you don't know who's fit and you know what, what it's actually going to start like. But you know, you probably he's probably fighting with someone like Tyson Stengel um, and Lockie Murphy for that forward pocket role. Yeah, potentially even yep. Jordan Gallucci. I'll talk about him a bit later on because I'm going to talk about him. But I just figure that he's got a few more strings 
strings to his bow. He did come second in the Crows' time trial uh, during the week, which is a good bit of vision for that. Um, no, he can Adelaide run for the club. Yes, but I just think that, um, you know, in a, in a side that's got a couple young guys who they're going to play Jones and McHenry, I think. So potentially someone with a bit more um, body size, a bit more experience, I think he might just give a bit more than someone like a than a Stengel. But, you know, it depends how much speed they want. Uh, he's probably not as quick as a Stengel or a Murphy, but... Uh, it's interesting to see their makeup. Um, hopefully, someone like Tom Duda can start in round one from his uh, ACL. But I think, apart from maybe a couple of their forward pockets, etc., um, that's a pretty settled uh, Crows lineup. All right, talking about a player that might uh, rival him for that spot, and uh, you just brought him up just before, and that's uh, mm-hmm. Ned McHenry. So he's going to be yep. the first one that uh, I look at for the night. So mm-hmm. um, I'm just getting my notes up here. I'm really unprofessional and didn't get uh, sorted beforehand, but I've actually got them here on the screen anyway, so it doesn't matter. Um, all right, Ned McHenry. Uh, yeah, so he didn't play seniors in 2019, but he was a first-round uh, draft pick in the 2018 draft. Um, going back to his under-18 uh, champs numbers and his uh, NAB League numbers, so he averaged 86 at the under-18 champs. And when you adjust that to the time on ground for the shortened games, it was actually 103 points uh, per the 120-minute game. So basically 100 average at the under-18 champs. In the NAB League, uh, 84 average there, but 115 super coach, indicating that he might be more of a super coach type. Um, to go by his state league numbers, so in the Sanford, we averaged 82 there from his 10 games. His biggest score was 139 in round five versus central districts. And in that game, he had 11 tackles. So... Looking at his tackle numbers for the season, he averaged five per game. So this is going to bode well for uh, fantasy scoring if he can translate that to AFL scoring. With the Crows supposedly promoting youth this year, I think he's got a real chance of playing. You've named him in your best 22. Yep. How do you think he'll go this year, Kaze? I think uh, from what he was putting together in the SNFL last year, and the Crows have obviously gone a completely different direction from what they were doing last year when they thought they were going to make the finals and, and do something, and then obviously they fell short. But they've got the new coach. There's obviously some kind of youth policy I think that they're going to implement this year with, um, you know, it's almost been stated that guys like uh, Jones and McKendry will get first crack. You know, hopefully that means that other guys um, who are a bit younger will get a chance to, um, whether it's Keys or Crocker they brought in or um, McAdams and... Um, uh, Stengels who kind of came into the Crows outfit last year I think there's just going to be a lot more desire for change and potentially guys like um, you know Bryce Gibbs um, you know Riley Knight to an extent who's had a few cracks at it and her probably hasn't you know necessarily cemented their spot in that best side it's going to be a lot more of a season for youth so I think it's one one club that's quite excited to get around with um, you know there's just a bit more of a I suppose um, excitement in the air in, in Adelaide in terms of we're not sure what's going to happen with the Crows and it hasn't yeah. been like that for a very, very long time with them. So I think if you're going to draft some of these young kids, um, you know, I think Crows are a good team to look at to, to do that with. So there you go, Ned McHenry, the first one uh, we've had a look at and one to look at this year, especially if we can break into that side. Yeah. All right, I'll start off the, uh, with Tom Duday. So um, he missed all of basically all of last year with a knee. He did play the one game. He notched up 38 points from uh, 27% time on ground, which was a good clip before it uh, started. But looking back to 2018, which was basically where he, he played his first season of footy and where he started to shine, he averaged 72 and a half, um, going at 18 touches, five marks and three tackles a game, which is fantastic. Notched up two tons, uh, 102 and 106. And nine of his 20 games were uh, he collected 20 plus touches, which is pretty good for a, yeah, a halfback, you know, a taller halfback flanker. So um, his intercept game is key. And I think that's what the chance where he's going to get slot, 
and that's the chance where he's going to get to slot straight back into that side. So you obviously lose someone like Alex Keith, who had a really good season last year for the Crows. Um, hopefully with guys like Talia, Kelly, Brown, Hardigan to play that more lockdown role, uh, will allow uh, Duda to come and just be that sweeping interceptor. And we know that the interceptors get the scores in, in fantasy footy. They take the grabs, usually kick the ball pretty well. Duda has all of those attributes. And uh, yeah, I just think he's going to get back to that that point where, because he was building in that first season, obviously he started the game off before he uh, did his knee pretty well. I think 2019 could have been that year that we saw him kind of push into that mid-80s bracket, yeah. you know, especially if the Crows remain strong, which they weren't too bad throughout the year. He's just got something about him. He's got that uh, interceptability. Um, and I think, you know, for a guy who's a defender who might not have been picked up in drafts last year or might have been delisted on waiver wires, however you play your, your fantasy uh, keeper legs, I reckon he's one that's worth taking a punt on, especially if he's named and is playing in JLT. With Duda, do you think um, there's going to be some sort of regression missing a whole season? Could he go backwards? There's always that fear with guys coming off injury, and that's why you're probably not going to go at him, you know, like a bull in a china shop. I think you do need to, you know, make sure he's uh, fit and going to play uh, pre-season. If he's playing pre-season, you're probably pretty sure that he's had a decent pre-season. Look, these guys who have come back from knees, you know, they've been running for, for months. So um, as long as he hasn't missed a beat in the, the off-season, I think you can be pretty confident he'll be getting back to at least that 70-odd average. Yeah. And hopefully there's progression from there. Just really is a bit role-dependent if he has to play lockdown or not, but I don't think they'd, they'd make him play lockdown. Yeah, you know my, you know my opinion on taller types. I guess, but he is one that I would actually consider just, you know, I'm never going to factor him in for a defender one, defender two, but the three, four kind of mark yep. where you want that guy to get 70 each week, I think he's a prime candidate for that. So for sure. should be available this year. Definitely. Who you got next, Hef? Uh Paul Seisman comes in for me. So he was in and out, in and out of the side in uh, 2019. It's evident that Crows were aiming for speed in the in their last few rounds of the year. Um, so they played him on a wing, essentially. So he wasn't he was up forward for a bit, he was defence for a bit. Stuck him on a wing. And this is where he really shone, I guess. So he averaged ninety six from his last three and ninety from his last five games. So he's only twenty eight as well. So I keep thinking of Seisman as this guy who's nearing the end. And I guess with some of the performance last year and being in the side, you kinda of thought he was maybe getting to the end of his career. But I guess this resurgence at the resurgence at the end of the year, he actually proved to be pretty valuable for the Crows. Um so, yeah, as a 28-year-old, uh, I guess a lot rides on his role under the new coach and the game plan there, whether they want to promote youth, Matthew Nix wants to promote youth, or whether he's willing to, you know, he wants to play his best 22 each week and uh, actually have a crack um, going into his first season, mm-hmm. which I think will be the case for mm-hmm. Matthew Nix. He'll play his best side and won't be de- focusing on development as much. Um, so, yeah, with all, that, with all that in mind, I think if he can maintain the spot and he plays that same role, I think an 85 average shouldn't be out of the question. What do you think, Kays, with Paul Seisman? Um, well, I kind of disagree. I think that they'll play a bit of a mix of experience and youth in terms of Nix's first season, but I do. Yep. I just think that someone like Jones and McKendry are in their best 22 at the moment, so that's why they're in there. I think that's what you're getting on. Uh, I think, I think that, they, that they're like legitimately in their best 22. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You know, good. I don't think they're just going to play kids for the sake of playing kids. No, though. no, I don't think they're going to play You know, guys drafted last year or guys yeah, yeah. who aren't ready. No, no, I definitely agree with you yeah. there. Paul Seisman, I've always been a bit of a fan of him like I think he provides a lot he was a pretty handy back mid at one point a few years ago when I had him in a side but you're right I think what they the Crows realized last year was that needed they needed that speed and they hadn't had it for so long and you know you kind of saw the the resurgence of Brody Smith as almost like a midfielder wingman and then Seedsman stepped up to the wing and really started to deliver and I think 
part of their game plan going forward is going to be using that speed again. And I think, you know, um, Smith and Seedsman will be driving a lot of ball forward and they're going to be the key users coming out of half back in the wing. So I think that, uh, yeah, he's almost going to be one of those guys who, you know, it's just going to be a, a lock for, you know, yeah, 80, 85. Great M- M6, M7 if you're going that deep. Um, and just someone who you can count on each week just to, to deliver a good 80, you know, plus really. All right, Keeper League listeners, if you're sick of hearing about Ben Keys, it's probably time to tune out. Uh, I'm going to take the headphones off for a bit and not listen, okay. uh, and we'll let Kay talk about Ben Keys for a bit. <laughs> well, only because I copped so much criticism on Twitter for having him in my side. You know, where's where's bloody Stengel? Where's blah, blah, blah? Deserved right. criticism. No, 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 no. <laughs> There's a spot for him. All right, now well, let's look at it. So the Crows have lost Ellis Yeoman, Greenwood, Douglas, Betts, and Jenkins from their forward line. So you're kind of thinking that guys like Jones, McHendry, Fogarty will come in. Sure, no worries with that. But I think that guys like Ben Keys, Ben Crocker, who's arrived at the club, Lockie Murphy, and probably even Tyson Stengel to agree, all are around that same level. But I just, as I said earlier, I think he can do a few extra things. I can think he can run through the middle if they need it. Um, he just never got a real crack at the AFL level when he was at the Lions. And I think potentially when he was on the up last year in the twos, he just couldn't crack that Brisbane side. And, that, and that's fair enough. They were a really good side. Looking at his kneeful numbers, he notched up eight tons. He had a PB of 135 and kicked four goals and scored 125 points. I think he came fourth best in the uh, kneeful BOG award. So when you average 96 points, 20 touches, five marks, three tackles and three goals, I think that's a pretty good resume going into a, you know, a pretty average forward line so I just think he's one who can go forward he's obviously got the goal kicking prowess he's you know kicked a heap of goals in the knee for last year pinch it in the middle I think as a forward in in ultimate fantasy whatever he's worth a pump an average of 96 in the Neeful. He wouldn't even be in the top 20 scorers in the Neeful with that, would he? That's all right. When you're basically the Neeful's <laughs> leading goal kicker and the Crows and their goal kickers, you know, it just makes sense to me. Uh, I don't know. I don't know about this one. Look, to be honest, I don't have really strong opinions on him. It's just that he's one of your boys. Um, mm-hmm. I'm completely off him now. So, <laughs> Well, surprise, surprise. Huh? We'll, have to, uh, we'll have to wait and see how he goes, I guess. Uh, yeah, look, I can't see him playing straight away, but I can see him playing at some stage, obviously. So, yeah, again, wait and see how he goes. And uh, look, if he looks like he's best 22... What's his um, scoring history really like, though, Kay? Is that In the sure? Yeah, no, it's quite it's average. Like, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, um, yeah, not one for me, but uh, look, if you're uh, on Team Ks and uh, want to get around this guy... Jump then, on uh, Team Ks, it's a winning team. Have a look at him. No, no premierships, but uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, on to my next player. So, I'm going to talk about Patrick Wilson. Mm. <laughs> I'm sick of talking about this guy, but he's worth mentioning. So, he's an absolute sandful gun. He averaged 114 in sandful last year, averaging 26 disposals a game. Played one game of AFL uh, last year and it was a disgrace. It was pretty dismal. It wasn't a disgrace. I know. It was like, it was a disgrace of a game. I think it was against Carlton where they got The rolled. Crows lost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When their um, season was on the line. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So it was a bit of a disgrace. I don't know if his performance in particular was that bad, but he only scored 59. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a superstar performance that we were kind of expecting. The thing with it as well, though, is he got the exact same role that he does in Sandful as he does uh, would have done for the Crows, I guess, in the AFL. And he just didn't turn into anything but I know I do think he is the kind of guy that if you put some time into him and just let him play four or five games on the trot he could work his way into the game but that said there's no certainty of getting a game in 2020 even with Cam Ellis Yolman and uh, Hugh Greenwood gone because the Crows are going to be blooding kids we've talked about that 
or this podcast so far. Mm-hmm. And Wilson's 25, so I don't, I'm not sure where he sits. The, I guess the positive is he did win himself a new contract last year, so he, there must be some plan for him going forward. But that said, that was under uh, Don Pike and not Matthew Nix, so yeah. we'll see how that pans out as well. For me, I reckon he's worth a late pick, like your last pick in the draft if he's still available because yep. if he can crack the side, he's going to be a, a valuable scorer. Um, well, he could be a valuable scorer if he replicates the sandful form. I just don't see where it's going to come from. What do you think of him, Case? Look, Ivan did emergencies on my uh, best 22, which we didn't put up there, and he wasn't in the even the top yep. 26. So, you know, I, I worry about the fact that he's definitely not up there unless there's injuries or they really want to experiment. Um, but saying that, look, he's, I just wanted to look up. His 59 points came from only 67% time on ground in that one game. So, it's not really a horrible game considering yeah, okay. he probably That's played good. 15% time on ground less than most other people. So, yeah, no, I'll retract that statement. That's um, fine. Look, I just fear he's going to be one of those guys. Uh, I think we talked about it last the other week on our on our um, members pod with Willem Drew. You know, guys who just dominate the sandfall, dominate the the lower leagues, and then just can't replicate that form in the AFL. Um, yeah. and it's probably just more about opportunity, you know, really. And I think the Crows midfield's probably deep enough that they don't need to rely on him, and they're probably going to give a few other guys a few extra opportunities ahead of him. But I totally agree with you there. Like, if he's your last pick, he could be a guy that they just play round one and all of a sudden he just knocks out, you know, 80s, 90s, 100s. There's, yeah. there's no doubt about that. It's just whether he gets an opportunity or not, I'm not going to be sure. All right. Thanks for that one, Kays. Who's your next player? Uh, my lucky last player is Chase Jones. Now, he's a guy we've both been pretty hot on in the offseason so far, and I reckon he might be one of the biggest names at the Crows one day. I think Ooh, big call. I think he will be. He's going to get midfield time this season, and I think it's just basically a lock. Uh, to play each game this year. What's great about Chase Jones this year, uh, fantasy-wise, is he's a forward. So um, definitely a guy you can always take a bit of a punt on extra because he's not that mid. He was a solo mid last year, and it's a bit more risky. Now having forward status, I think you, you kind of bump him up your draft orders a bit more. But if you look at his stats, so he played eight games last season in the AFL um, and averaged 46, but it was definitely that 97-point last game against the Bulldogs that everyone kind of remembers if you were, you know, a lot of people tuned in because it was finals contention and, and he did play a really good game. Yeah. Best thing is it only came from 72% time on ground. So another good score from low time on ground, kicked a couple goals and was very, very dangerous. But uh, if you go back even deeper, his SNFL form, SNFL form has been quite solid. Um, average 75, had two tons and two scores in the 90s, but uh, just did have those quiet games. I'm always willing to give that. Uh, for a first-year player in the game. Um, but when you average 17 touches and, you know, knock up four tackles a game, I just think that's a good grounding for for a team who wants to rebuild and wants to give, uh, you know, these kids a game. I think with natural growth, kids invest, crows investing in youth, I think they're just two ticks and he's just one that, you know, should be high on your priority list if he's around in the draft this year. With Chase Owens for me, I think a lot of people are judging him on that one game down at Ballarat there um, that we watched pretty closely. I think we were sitting at the mm-hmm. – uh, where were we? We were at a pub somewhere we're watching at a it. pub, yep. Um, yeah, where people actually, uh, people actually kind of put a lot of weight into that performance. For me, the midfield talk, he's, what, 180 centimetres. He's about your uh, my height. He looks like a child still. Yeah. Um, I just don't see, like, next year – I just don't see him as a as a gun midfielder. I he's see him as a small forward. He's the fittest bloke at the club. Yeah, right. I just see him as a small forward at the moment. Like, um, I can't see him actually. Like, you know, they're talking about midfield time. I just don't think he's big enough to have an impact in there. No, that's just what I see. For me, he just looks like the genuine mould of like Eddie Betts's 
perfect replacement next season. No, nah, you're not going to take a kid who, what, pick five or six, whatever they took True. him, and you're going to yeah. play him as a forward pocket for his whole life. Yeah, well, I don't know. Crows don't really have first-round draft picks, so they might not know how to use them because it's the first ones they've had in a couple of years. Uh, I'm not sure. If you really <laughs> dissect the Crows team, you got Sloan and the two Crouches who aren't necessarily the most dynamic, exciting, speed- And they're pretty one pace as well. Exactly. Yeah. So you throw guys- you, They're going to have to throw guys like Jones, even McKendry in that midfield at some stage just to give that burst. Yeah. So Look, I he might be good one day. I just don't see it coming straight away. I don't see it next year. I think he's going to battle. Oh, wait, it's only his second year, mate. It's yeah, going to yeah. be 2021. I know, and that's the I know this is keeper leagues. Yeah. This is keeper league. But I do, I do think that. But I think there's a lot of people out there wanting that forward to kind of propel he, them next The next thing year. is that there's been a lot of chat about him too. So he might go a lot higher than he probably should. Yeah. You know, so just if you're doing your rankings and all that kind of thing, just make sure that you're, you, you know, you, you hold solid on where you actually think he's at and don't go too early, I think. That would be my bit of advice. All right, uh, that's uh, all the players we can actually you know look at in depth. But just another one worth mentioning and worth watching in the preseason is Jordan Gallucci. Shown glimpses of being a, a fantasy scorer and plays the right type of game, just doesn't get enough of the pill. So uh, have a look at him over the preseason. If he's tearing up the uh, what is it called the Marsh series now? The Marsh series cup. If he's tearing up the Marsh series, is it a cup still? Or is it just a series? It's definitely no cup, but you know. <laughs> anyway, weird. Um, yeah, if he's tearing that one up, then uh, look forward to him. Definitely. Okay, okay. Moving on to Brisbane. So you've done a best 22 for Brisbane. Read it out for us. I have. This was a bit more successful today than the Crows one was, which is, is nice. Nice to see them on the on the right page of some of our listeners. But uh, start off in the back pocket, Zach Bailey, Harris Andrews, Darcy Gardner, Daniel Rich, Marcus Adams and Alex Witherden. On the wings, Hugh McLuggage, Jared Lyons and Mitch Robinson. In the ruck, Steph Martin, Lockie Neal and Dane Zorko. In the forward line, Charlie Cameron, Oscar McInerney, Lincoln McCarthy, Cam Rayner, Eric Hipwood, and Alan Christensen. And on the bench, Cam Ellis Yolman, Jared Berry, and Dan McStay, along with Noah Answorth. So that's my best 22, Hef. I don't know if you've got any strong nah, thoughts on I that. I think you've nailed it. I'd like to see um, Archie in the side, um, but I don't know where he fits in. Maybe virtual as well, coming in somewhere. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but I can see those two getting a game at yeah. whose expense. I don't know. Maybe Noah Answorth. Yeah, it's a hard one. It's a very strong, yeah, really yeah. strong side. Uh, I'll talk about Grant Birchall later, but I think with Archie, I still don't think he really like. There's always been lots of talk about him, but he's never really, you know, put his foot on a game at the Gold Coast or anything like yeah. that. Like if he had played a few good games and kind of came in with a bit of form, I think potentially you could, yeah. you could make a case for him. But no, then I you, agree. But then you're throwing out like a Christensen or someone like that, and it, it probably depends on week to week their team matchups. But yeah, he's probably just around that best 26. I would say Every, any Gold Coast player that. Moves from Gold Coast is always yeah. so exciting to actually see what they can do. Yeah, it's sad, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, let's get stuck into it. So the first player I'm going to talk about is Charlie Cameron. So I don't want to spend too much time on him because he's pretty unreliable in terms of fantasy scoring. He only averaged 67 last year. But the thing I really like about him is he's a pretty valuable streamer. Mm. Now, for those who haven't played uh, keep leagues or draft leagues before, a streamer is someone that uh, you don't put in your side every week. You try to pick the weeks they're going to go big and put them in your side. So your team will be littered with streamers uh, after you finish your draft, believe me. But yeah, if he's playing 
against sides that uh, struggle against small forwards. He might be one that you could think about starting if it looks like he's going to have a big performance against them. Last year, he didn't crack 100, but he did have 10 games at 70-plus and four games at 90-plus. So you could pick speculatives late in your draft, so players that might be good going forward, or you can pick guys that are just going to play every week and score well, and you assess the matchups each week to see mm-hmm. how they're going to go. So if you know, say, North Melbourne are giving up points against small forwards, he's playing against um, North Melbourne, he's someone you chuck in that, that week. Yep. That sort of thing. So nothing... I don't, I'm not saying he's going to be 100-plus scorer. He's not going to be the best scorer in the world, but he's going to be valuable to your team if you've got him on your bench because you will get use out of him. What do you reckon, Kays? Uh Totally agree. There was times that I was really impressed with him last year and, you know, you almost get excited that he could run through the middle or something yeah. like that. And potentially, you're like, he's still young. Like, um, I don't know off the top of my head. He's so valuable at forward, though. Like 23, something like yeah. that. You know, so so there's still a bit of growth in what he can do as a footballer, but you are right. His, his speed, his goal awareness and everything like that is just too good up forward. I totally agree with you, especially if you play um, leagues with waiver wires, etc. Like he's a great one to drop, pick up, drop, pick up, because you do know, and you know, like if he's going to play Gold Coast, if he's going to play, I don't know, who else would be crap this year? North Melbourne, I don't know, you know, whoever, Port Saint Adelaide, Kilda, Port Adelaide, Adelaide, Essendon. <laughs> <Adelaide, laughs> we don't have any uh, fit players. Play guys like that eight, uh, those weeks when you think they're going to kick. You know, if they, if you think he's going to kick four goals, bring him into your side that week and see what he can do. I think uh, there's a lot of excitement about him and definitely one you can cheer for as a as a team member. I reckon. All right, Kay, is he going to tell us about Zach Bailey? Not a player I've put a lot of time into, so tell me mm. something about him, please. Uh, he was one I had on my radar early last year. Probably just didn't have the year that he wanted. But I actually, he's the guy I think is the most likely to, to break out big time this year, not potentially be one of the great players of the competition, but take his scoring from uh, where it was last year to, to something good. So what I like is that Luke Hodge is gone. So I, I kind of believe that the halfback flank should be his. Now, I know that Grant Birchall comes in, uh, which could muddy the waters there for him. But uh, if you look at some of his stats, it's, it's quite impressive. So he played 13 games last year, uh, which he added to his 12 that he played in 2018. The issue was he only averaged a modest 48, but what I did like is that he played all the games in the Lions back half of the year, which means that they have serious faith in him and you know, he's playing the finals and, you know, invested in him in, into the future. So where he kind of, his season got derailed, he uh, got injured in round eight um, and he actually did score one of those famous, you know, negative scores. He had a negative one from 8% time on ground. But those, uh, those things always mess up my breakout trackers and yeah, stuff like yeah, that because yeah. I always use plus uh, plus uh, whatever above a hundred above zero to actually calculate a game and things yeah. like that. That is a tip for new players. So if you are looking at stuff and there's really low scores sometimes yeah. that affect averages, especially with young guys who might have only played a handful of games, it is worth noting. You know, did they get um, injured? Did they play bugger all time on ground? Kind of work out what their average might have been from there, but. Sidetrack. So, after he got injured, he did find his way back into the side and en route, he scored a 91 and 117 in his two NFL games. I just There's something about him. So, he was pick 15 in the draft, showed he can score in the NFL, so he sh- can show that he, he showed that he can actually, you know, be fantasy relevant. The Lions want him back in that side, so he's best 22 there. Third year breakout, we love it. So many ticks. And, and for me, I think he goes from like that, you know, 48 average player what he was last year to easily into that mid to high 70s. I've, I've got a good feeling about him. Yeah, just looking at our uh, Facebook feed here, uh, Dallas Coleman, one of the uh, listeners, reckons he's an absolute jet and mm-hmm. uh, he's going to be a gun going forward. So maybe you're onto something here, Case. I'd like to think so. It might be the first time in you know, a year <laughs> and a bit, but, uh, you know, throwing off darts. Well, one to put in the black book and uh, watch Definitely. the preseason. I don't know enough about him to actually offer any value here. Definitely. Um, so good work on that one, Case. Thank good you, spot. Ryan. All right, uh, let's move on to another player I have no confidence in, and that's uh, Cam Rayner. So, another player Jeez, I just can't Jesus, it's an exciting see. couple of players, oh, 
actually look through their side and every player's like, our listeners are going to know everything about him yep. or there's going to be players that people might get sucked in by thinking mm-hmm. they're going to be good and they're probably not. And mm-hmm. that's what I've decided to go with for most of these types. Yeah, I think they're, um, yeah. yeah so, but they, Brisbane are just so black and white, self-explanatory. Everyone yep. knows everything about them because they're so awesome at the moment. Um, yeah, I don't really have to do too much. But anyway, on to Cam Rayner. Uh, yeah, another player I just can't see anything really happening for, not this year anyway. So he was a pick number one and I think a lot of people are going to get sucked in by that if you're not doing a whole heap of research into how he plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's a mid forward but he spends a lot more time up forward than he does in the mid he only averaged uh, 46 last year and he didn't even have one score in the 80s so that's how low he was last year This year, lots of people were talking about, well, before the trade period, and I was talking about this with Doss um, from the Draft Doctors when he came on the show when you were overseas, um, how excited we were of him of the prospect of him moving into the midfield, but now Cam Ellis-Yolman just rocks up and ruins everything, mm. and there's very little chance of him actually moving in because um, he's probably going to move in ahead if he does. Then you've got, like, Neil as well, like, who came last year. He just killed any chance of him going to that midfield. And yep. he's actually pretty important as a small forward. He's pretty Definitely. damaging up there Definitely. as well. So, alongside Charlie Cameron, they make a pretty awesome threat for Brisbane. So, I just can't see the midfield uh, time coming for him. Mm-hmm. He's actually a player I've got on my avoid list and probably wouldn't pick him up this season. Unless it's, like, super late, but I can just see someone getting sucked into him earlier. So, knowing how you draft, especially after a few beers, you'll probably take and pick one. I've only um, drunk and drafted once. Didn't I reckon so. Well. <laughs> no, I've never done. <laughs> so I'm like, no, I'm obviously not going to do it this year. So um, yeah. now with him, uh, you know, I think he's an important uh, part of their team. But is he going to be fantasy eleven in 2020? I, I can't see it happening. Yeah. You know, like if you're doing a dynasty league or you know you're starting from scratch and you know you, you're picking a full complement of players, sure, sure, I'd take him late or be interested in him. But I just don't think that he's he's more of an impact player. Uh, he's a great player, but uh, yeah, more of an impact player, not a fantasy player for me. All right, let's move on to your next player. Who you got, Case? Yes, now I'm going to go down the line of guys that maybe no one's ever heard of before, but. Uh, you know, we're going to look at my boy Jared Lyons' brother, Corey. So, he was actually the Lions' highest scoring NFL play in 2019. He averaged 115 points from 19 games. These are some serious stats I'm about to read out. He had 14 games of 100 plus uh, with 146 PB and had five games in the 130s. So, he can really, really rack him up. So, touch-wise, he had 29 touches a game, six marks and three tackles. The issue is, obviously, we know how stack the midfield at Brisbane is yep. and I just don't know where he fits there and probably the worst thing was he was delisted then re-rookied and that's not the end of the world these days because it almost comes down to you know contract and salary cap kind of stuff more, yeah, than, yeah. more than whether they believe them or not so obviously he's got good stock brother is Jared um, and I just kind of feel that he might be ahead of the pack especially of ahead of the pack of a guy you might talk about next who um was drafted higher, but Corey Lyon's ability to find the footy in the NFL is amazing. Now, obviously, we've spoken about someone like um, Paddy Wilson before. Now, will he just become a guy who's great in the lower league and just never can get a crack in the AFL? We're not sure. But sometimes you just need a bit of luck, and that's why he kind of comes into that same frame where, look, if you've got one pick left, just throw it at him because he's a guy that could easily slot into a Brisbane side just by pure chance one week, score 120 and never look back and could be could be an absolute pig. The likelihood of that happening is quite low, I suppose, but mm. his, his fantasy scoring is there. It's black and white. You know, when, you, when you're knocking up six games over 130, no matter what league that is, that's really hot football. 
Yeah. Unlike Zach Bailey, I actually know a bit about Corey Lyons because uh, I own him in our league. And uh, I was watching his NEFL scores on keeperleaguepod.com.au mm-hmm. every week and looking him racking up and never get picked. Um, he was named emergency quite a few times. So that kind of probably goes to show how close he was mm. to actually getting a tilt at it. Yeah. Same deal for me. I just don't know where he gets that spot in the side. But you could be right that he just needs, you know, look, Brisbane could have a horror year and four or five of their midfielders go down and mm. he's straight. Yeah, in yeah. four or five is a bit of a stretch but you know they could have a few down and he could go straight in we ne- you never know and I think it will translate the thing that gets me is every year the prospectus um, says he, this kid's going to be a gun when he gets yep. his chance but he never does that's yeah. an issue so Corey Lyons is, look another one that's worth a late pick exactly the same as Patrick Wilson pick him up very late because he, if he gets a go he's got the fantasy game just uh, yeah might not get there so as an astute fantasy coach like yourself have oh yeah you've got 32 players you've got 16 keepers yep. do you find a spot for him I don't would you draft him again yes late late yeah very no late what? okay yep. interesting All right. your next player my next player is a guy I was pretty uh, – I was frothing over you last preseason. bullish on last preseason. Yeah. Um, and he actually was in the mix until he got injured. But anyway, Eli Smith is the next player I'm going to talk about. So he was drafted at pick 21 um, in the 2018 draft to Brisbane, and he looked like an absolute ball at underage level. So when I say ball, I mean like a contested ball winner – doesn't have the fancy outside game. Handball's a lot more than he kicks, but he looks like an absolute mean machine when he plays football. Um, at the underrating champs, he had 94 average and 121 super coach average, which is uh, pretty nice. So again, we talked about he doesn't kick the ball a lot. He's a ball winner and he distributes well. Um, he tackles a lot too and he tackles hard. Uh, <laughs> in the Nav League, he averaged 86. Again, super coach numbers though, 114. So I reckon you super coach coaches out there, he should be someone on your radar. Yep. If he can somehow get a game. Um, looking at the kneeful, average 80 in the kneeful. And again, the handball to kick ratio was pretty rubbish there. So it doesn't help um, his cause for the fantasy game. But the, the super coach side, oh, I'm big on. Um, this kid has potential. Probably never going to be a primo superstar because he is going to be one of those inside mids. He's going to be like your Ollie Wines. He's going to be like your Callan Ward. Ben he's going Cunnington. To be ben Cunnington, those type of players. But they have a spot in every keeper league. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're mid yeah. three, mid four. You need those type of players. Because so. those, guys, those guys never drop below yeah. 80. And you never know Ever. with like these – like last year was supposed to be a super freak draft. To go, mm-hmm. you know, in the first round of that draft, or pick 21, you know, close to the first round of that draft, you're going to be a decent player when you factor in everyone's trading out of the next year's draft because no, mm-hmm. one, no one really rates it. Mm-hmm. Um, look, who knows? With a year of development, he could actually rise above some of their, you know, already good players um, in that side. I know it's unlikely, but it could happen, you know. Yeah. So he's a, he's one that's a stash for me. So, again, mm. another late pickup that if, you want, if you're able to keep him for another year going to next season where he could make a difference, he might be one to have a look at. Now, now, I don't know enough about him as opposed to you who obviously watched every uh, minute of underage footage you ever All played. All those highlights. <laughs> yes. But uh, – And I actually looked at him. I was like, maybe I should do a little bit of an Eli Smith, uh, you know, research. And his numbers at the NIFA were nowhere near as what someone like Corey Lyons was. Now, I don't know what the pecking order is at at Brisbane in terms of where they're going down to their midfield. But for me, if you've got the choice between the two and your last pick or second to last pick or whatever, I think you got to go Lyons because – he, he's probably a, he's a year older than oh, Smith. Yeah. He's, he's going to be ready then. He's going to be that ready main scorer if he does come in. Whereas I'd like to see another year of Smith in the NEFL yeah, yeah. and see if, what his numbers do do. Like it's it's a fantastic first year. I think as a first year player um, in any 
um, second level. If you're average around that 80, 85 mark in your first year of senior footy, I think that's fine. Yeah. It's what you do this next year and that, and that's the monitor for me. Oh, but, yeah. you know, if it's Lions, if it's Lions v. Smith, I'm taking Lions. No, I agree because he plays a more fantasy-friendly game. But, yeah. you know, these you've got to fill up your team somehow. You know, mm. not everyone's going to get Lions. Of so. course. No, no, no. Yeah. All right, let's move on to Carlton. All right, before we get into uh, Carlton and their best 22, uh, we're just going to take a little refreshment break here. Uh, and drinks have been cold. <laughs> yeah. Before the uh, before we were drinking the uh, the Big Shed Boozy Fruits, so those who were looking at the video. One of the great neepers really around. Yeah, definitely, in South Australia anyway. And another South Australian uh, beer brewing company here is uh, Little Bang. Uh, so we've got their Little Banger here as well. So... If any uh, beer companies want to sponsor us, uh, <laughs> just send us an email at mail at keeperleaguepod.com. We're you. willing to sell our souls for beer. Also, if, uh, if, anyone, uh, if anyone recommends a, uh, a good beer, um, craft beer that we could drink on the pod as well, uh, we will mm. definitely uh, take it into consideration. And uh, definitely. Yeah, we love our craft beer at uh, the Keeper League. So let's move on to Carlton case. Yes. So my best 22 for Carlton, uh, we'll start in the back pocket, Cade Simpson, Lockie Plowman, Caleb Marchbank, Nick Newman, Jacob Wiedering, Sam Doherty, the midfield of Jack Martin, Paddy Cripps and Sam Walsh, in the ruck, Matt Cruiser, Mark Murphy and Ed Kernow, forward line of Sam Petreski, seaton Charlie Kernow, David Cunningham, uh, Eddie Betts, Harry McKay and Mitch McGovern, and on the bench, Will Setterfield, Jack Nunes, Liam Jones and Zach Fisher. Oh, the only one I don't like who's not in there is uh, Jack Silvani doesn't make the side. So mm, that's uh, on my emergency list. Yeah, that scares me because I've got him in my list of players here that I want to talk about. So that's all right. <laughs> we can we can differ. Look, uh, everyone's different. Yeah, it is the, different uh, opinions. Yeah. So the thing with with Colton and it was hard to peg is they seem to have a lot of guys who are similar size, kind of stature, ability, game style. So you know, like on the on the emergencies, it was Jack Silvani, Paddy Dow, Lockie O'Brien, and Levi Casbolt. Um, Interesting with Carlton's best team too. That, what I'll, I'll talk about a bit later, but like with Harry Mackay uh, having groin issues, Charlie Kernow uh, has knee issues. You know, if, if those guys go down, it could be, um, you know, it could be another year of Levi Casbolt, who really dominated the back, back Ooh, half of last year. And like the sound you know, of that, <laughs> with uh, he's going to be one that no one will be talking about. I don't even know if we're talking about him. That's how <laughs> under the radar he is. But. Um, Carlton will be interesting to monitor about who's fit, um, especially their big guys and how that affects their, their game because I feel with those guys uh, out, it can kind of reshuffle that back line where Liam Jones plays, where Jacob Wittering plays. So it's all a bit of a moving puzzle at the moment, the Carlton best 22, I think, with fitness. But um, look, on paper, I think that's a pretty decent side. Yeah, look, uh, it's you know, it's it's not probably going to you know do any damage come finals time, but in terms of improvement and development, they're on the right track, definitely. Yeah. New coach as well. David Teague had him on the right track at the end of last year. So, yeah, hopefully some fantasy scorers come out as a result. Kays, uh, who's the first player you're going to look at? I'm going to look at the new guy to the club, Jack Nunes. So, he's a bit of an interesting one for me. So, if you go back in history from 2015 to 2017, he was a steady 85 to 88 average defender, which made him just a complete lock in every side because you just need those guys week in, week out. The last two seasons, he got screwed around at the Saints and he kind of became a high half forward, a weird wingman, a tagger, like a just a genuine utility and he just couldn't find his rhythm. So I'm hoping that a new club means a new Jack. So let's hope so. So looking at that, the Blues are keen to take him as a free agent. He left St. Kilda and uh, walked over to um, Carlton, which is fantastic. 
comes down to crunch time for Nunes. So, he's 26. So, for me, this is do or die time in terms of your career, in terms of what you are as a fantasy footballer. So, we're going to find out a lot about him in 2020, I feel. The plus, he never gets injured. He played 108 games in five years. And I think the only game he missed was last year when Carlton dropped him. uh, St. Kilda dropped him, sorry. The other plus is he loves uh, getting outside ball. He's always there for the run and loves to kick over handball. The cons are, what is his actually role at the Blues? And as I said before, there's a lot of similar guys. You know, there's lots of halfback flangers, lots of wings. Where does Nunes fit in? Does he fit in? Yeah. That's my only risk. And especially coming into 2020 uh, fantasy-wise as a mid-only, I almost feel he's one for the brave because for me, it wouldn't surprise me if he turns into, you know, back what he used to be in 85 mid, and which is fine, as we've talked about with Seedsman earlier. Or he could just be in that utility role. They just need him to be a half-forward flanker with pressure and he keeps at that 60 average. So, a lot of yeah. risk for me. With Nunes, I guess, and the development of Carlton side, Jack Nunes kind of sits for me as the kind of 22nd slash 23rd man on the edge of the of the team, I guess. Yeah. Um, the positive thing for me is that he was going to get another contract, a rookie contract at uh, St. Kilda, but he chose a senior contract or a senior role at Carlton. I'm really glad that your beer pour is as bad as mine. I thought it was just me, but I think it's just uh, it's the, the, beer. the CO2 in the beer. That's yeah. good. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Um, yeah, back on, to, back on to Jack Noon. So, th- the fact that he was offered a senior contract over a rookie mm. one, to me, says he's probably in the plans going yeah. forward. Um, I think as well with um, Carlton not getting Papley in the end is probably a good thing too. Mm. So, I reckon there probably will be a spot where it is and whether it's fantasy relevant. I don't know, but he's right on the verge of breaking this side, I think. He was always a, you know, um, leadership group kind of player at St. Kilda too. So, you know, those guys are always good coming across on the clubs because they bring experience and they bring some leadership. And, you know, Carlton is still young, so they still still do need some on-field leaders. So, it's it's a real flip of the coin for me. Like, I just don't know where I'd place him in a draft. I don't, I don't know anything like that. I don't know if I'd, I don't think I'd keep him. Nah, but, uh, you old. know, you'd be looking around mid-draft for him and, you know, he could be one that ends up being an absolute jet of a pick or being being a dud. I, I don't really have an insight until we see some uh, pre-season footy. Hef. All right, let's move on to my next player, mm-hmm. uh, another guy that I own, uh, Liam Stocker. So, interesting thing about him, I guess, is he gains back status this season, yep. which makes sense because he played as a back pocket pretty much every game mm-hmm. last year from his five games, and he averaged 45 in those five games. So, not a great total there. Colt wanted to get games into him, I feel, though, because he was – there's a lot of pressure around that pick yeah. with the pick swap <laughs> and that, and they wanted to prove so that he couldn't hack it. him over, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, he couldn't really hack it at AFL level for mine. He just looked small. He looked like a child. He did. So, but he was really highly touted in that 2018 draft, as we described with the, with the pick swap as well. So, Carlton gave up a lot to get to him, I guess. Um, he averaged 82 in the NAB League in 2018 as a junior, and he had probably better supercoach numbers at that level as well. Looking at his VFL numbers last year, he averaged 69 um, mm-hmm. and only got over 80 twice in his nine games. For me, I just can't see him as a fantasy scorer yet. Totally, think. 100% agree. Last yeah. year, he just looked small. Uh, he just didn't look up to the level and that's not his fault they were playing him he's he's obviously got talent you know that's why they moved the pick up that's why they wanted him that's fine I just for me if you were looking at drafting him this year um, in your keeper league I would just say no like the back status is going to suck people in it would probably suck people in in the in the um uh, normal AFL fantasy as well as like a, yeah. a cheap a cheap option, but just not this year. I think if there's anyone that's going to be a, a third year breakout, it's him. Look, I, yeah. I didn't even have him in my top twenty six at Carlton. Yeah, there you go. You know, when they're full strength and especially with the amount of guys similar, 
you know, type of players he is. He, he's just not around there just yet. Yeah. He's only really worth looking at is if your team absolutely sucks and you're going to draft people late for the aim to keep them for the following year yeah. just to sit on your list for 12 months and else can get access to them. That's where he goes, I think. Um, otherwise, he's probably not going to do too much damage this season. Agreed. On to your next player, Case, who you got? Yes. Yeah, so this is a guy I'm actually very, very excited about. Uh, I'm interested in it. I'm not excited, but yeah. I'm very interested. Um, so I was talking to a Carlton who, fan. What's, what's his today, name, though, Case? Uh, Hutch. We do this a bit. No, no, no. Sorry, the player's oh. name. <laughs> g'day, Hutchie, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, g'day, Hutch. You won't be listening because you're a dog. But anyway, <laughs> David Cunningham is the guy I'm talking about. So he was a guy I was focusing, uh, not focusing, I, I was keeping an eye on last year, and he never really got any plaudits for what he was doing, but he actually was the 12th highest average scorer at Carlton last year so he's building into his fourth season of footy uh, before injury hit just when it looked like he was on the precipice of you know taking his game to the next level now he's only played 25 games in four seasons which isn't you know great by any stretch of the stretch of the imagination but he did really impress me in patches last year watching the Carlton games so he had five games above 70 and played that really handy half forward flank role he also had seven games in a row which were very very solid before he got injured what I do like is, you know, he got injured, um, could have gone back, could have played VFL for a season, Blues put him in the, you know, icebox and let him go. They got him back just for the round 23 game. So for me, I think that means that they want to uh, take it to the next level and um, he's in their plans for the future. So what we need to do with him is like place him around the 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 – You've really fucking lost me. <laughs> For the listeners at home, I'm typing shit. He's typing shit on the show, dog, and now I've really lost my train of thought. Come on, mate. Take, it, take anyway, a second. Right, yeah. We'll go, we'll go back. So, the Blues got him back for round 23. I think that's great because if you want to invest in a particular player, you're going to play them as much as you want. He's in that team. He's in that team in round 23. He's good. So, unfortunately, with his two VFL games that he played in the middle, he didn't really score very well. But I do like that they wanted to get him back in the side. As I've spoken about a lot before, there's a plethora of half-forward flankers wing mid-types. But I think he's going to be a sleeper because people will be talking about your stockers. People will be talking about your Paddy Dows. They're not actually that important. He's a guy who's going to be fifth year in the system, body's going to be ready, would have been chirping, at, chomping at the bit for this season after a delayed year last year. I reckon he's ready to go. As a forward, I think he's a great sleeper option in all draft formats this year. I, I apologise to listen to theirs. I was ty- typing dumb shit into the uh, show doctors giving case shit and I uh, really stumped him. So sorry about that. Um, but yeah, on to David Cunningham. Uh, I really like him. So the games that I watched of yeah. Carlton, which weren't a heap last year. It but was actually very impressive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he always had that um, DPP status or forward or back status last year. I can't actually remember what it was. Yeah, both. He was both, FB yeah, yeah. There, yeah. Good. Oh, man, I'm on the right track. I ain't yeah. thinking about the it's right the guy. the right guy. But uh, he did have a fair bit of midfield time in a few of those games yeah. I watched as well. So he actually ran through there and he scored okay. And the, I think from memory, when he didn't score okay, the points per number, points per minute numbers were actually quite good as well. So, yeah, I think if he can play, he's a great forward mid pinch, field, pinch hitter for Carlton. Mm. He could be a decent scorer one day. Yeah. Another one to kind of hold on to, I think. Almost the sleeper of this pod. Oh, geez. I don't know. I don't know if I go that far, but I can't think of a better one off the top of my head. So I'll let you have it. Thank you. <laughs> Who's next? Well, I've got Jack Silvani. In, let me type uh, some uh, shit in this yeah, show. Do it. You can't it. put me off. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, Jack Silvani. Uh, for me, he's um, he's pretty inconsistent, but he has some absolutely freakish skills. And for me, last year he was one of Carlton's most improved players. He averaged sixty six, and this is his best uh, season average. But looking at his last ten, he had an average of sixty nine. Nice, and uh, that almost uh, so almost at that uh, seventy mark there. So he had a run of seven games 
games where he was 70 plus before like towards the end of the season so from around 15 to 21 um, he had a few hundreds in there some 90s and uh, every game was basically above 70 so if he can kind of maintain that scoring he definitely fits into that F3 F4 yeah. type, of, type of role um, he's a genuine utility as well like he you know he played the majority of the games I watched up forward but he still has stints back and he even had a few runs in the midfield and on the wing and stuff like that and that was some of the games he went you know 100 plus in um yeah he could definitely work his way into a solid f4 i think this season given a bit of a uh, bit of i don't know i guess game time put into him, a bit of consistency in his performances yeah. i know you don't have him as best 22 and i've talked about two blokes who aren't in your best 22 so i don't know how that stands for the uh, the overall credibility of the podcast but Fantastic. i guess in keeper leagues you've got to be picking guys at the who are just scraping yeah. the borderline anyway so anyway um jack silvani for mine if he can uh, keep improving F4 territory next year. Jack Silvani was in my best 26, so, you know, he was he yep. got it call up late. Close. He were, what he about was Liam Stocker? Was he anywhere near? No, okay. I guess not. Uh, Jack Silvani actually impressed me towards the back half of last year. Like, I thought he was just a, a useless wannabe full forward, forward pocket kind of type. And then when he kind of got that run into the midfield on the wing, he was actually pretty impressive. Like, he did some fantastic things. So, you know, for him not to be in the best 22, it might be a stretch. Like, he's one that I'm happy to argue with, with Blues fans. But... Um, I do like the way he tracked towards the end of last season. I think that his how he was playing and, and the role he played was actually very conducive to fantasy scoring too. So if you're keen on Jack Silvani, I'm definitely not talking you out of him at all. Uh, where would you take him in a draft? I'm not too sure. Late, 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 late. Do you reckon in that late? I reckon there'd mid-late, be some mid-late, fans. Mid-late, yeah, mid-late. Mid-late, I think yeah. mid-late. But um, look, he could be one that just comes out of nowhere in terms of fantasy fantasy perspective. With Carlton's progression as well, it's just exciting to think about. Like if they actually start winning a few more games and yeah. stuff, he could be the catalyst for that. One thing about Carlton and, and a side like that is, especially if you're playing waivers throughout the year, I think they're a great side to make sure that you're watching a lot of footy uh, for and and who's doing what and maybe get ahead of the curve. Because if you can, you know, someone like Jack Silvani may not go drafted, right? But he kind of comes out the block super hot or, you know, his role is changing week to week. I reckon, you know, someone like him could be a an okay, you know, in-season pickup. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I agree. All right, Kay. So, who are you talking about next? Last and not least is Harry McKay. Mackay. I think it's Mackay. But um, for him, for me, he has actually the best hands in the game apart from Aaron Norton. His marking is phenomenal. And there's no doubt in my mind he's going to be a future star of the comp. Speaking of his marking, he had four games where he had 10-plus marks last year. For yeah, nice. basically a third-year player, uh, it's fantastic uh, ability that he has. The only issue is he only averaged 61 and a half, which is definitely underwhelming and he can almost be his own worst enemy. So that happens when you're a key forward and I know you don't really like key forwards, but uh, like his Jekyll and Hyde stuff was ridiculous. So he had 128 points versus the Dogs. He also had a three versus North Melbourne and that three was from like 80 something percent time on awesome. ground. Yeah. <laughs> so somewhere in the middle, he's that 60 average. Um that's the problem. Um, now, how Carlton, if Carlton get better, he's obviously going to improve too because the ball use will be better coming into him. He'll be able to, you know, take a few more risks getting up the ground, etc. The issue for me, I spoke about it earlier, he's had a few groin issues this season, which um, is not great. He just started running this week, I saw on their uh, Carlton's Twitter, which is great. But uh, I'm always a bit sceptical about guys who haven't really had a proper preseason. So if he's only starting his preseason, you know, the second, third week of January, that's not great. So he's one you need to keep a, keep an eye on. Uh, we've seen it especially with guys like uh, Mitch McGovern last year. Uh, you know, when they're not having a preseason, these big guys, they need that time Definitely. for their body to get up and running. And especially with someone like McKay, 
Um, Kerno the same, who's with his knee injury. They need to be mobile and versatile. That's their, that's their whole shtick. So I think you're just going to be patient for him. Like if, if I had him, I'd probably keep him. Um, or and if you are looking towards 2021 even, I know this is crazy to say before the start of 2020, but he's one I'd be very, very interested in. But on the flip side, I think you really have to start thinking about what Mitch McGovern and Levi Casbolt can do as well in the side if those two guys aren't up and running. Yeah, I think McGovern especially was nowhere near what he could have been. Even Kerno as well was probably just, you know, often injured and in and out and just never at 100% ever. Yep. If McGovern and Kerno do get to 100%, I don't think it bodes well for Harry Mackay. Um, no, I think he's... I think they play three of them. Like, yeah, because they need the, the pinch-hitting ruck as well. Yeah. And that's what McGovern can do. And McGovern yeah. can play back if they need, you know, and that potentially yeah. solves some issues for them in the defence. But, yeah, I think I'm pretty keen on Mackay as a, you know, I think him, Norton and Kerno, like the three guys you'd want if you were ever going to take punts on big key forwards. I think they're the three that you want because they have amazing marking ability. Their athletic ability is crazy. And I think they're just are natural fantasy scorers. All right, enough about Mackay. Now, I'm just checking case. Has my player, this player, actually made your best 22? He made the bench. Did he scrape he into was the 22. last spot? <laughs> he was 22. Oh, geez. I you can talk one. about him. You oh, geez, I picked him. one then. All right, I'm good. All right, uh, Zach Fisher is who I'm going to talk about next. So, he averaged 63 last season. He had 69.5 the year before. So, yeah. this season, he started the year like an absolute house on fire. Do you yes, remember guys? how hot his preseason form was? Yeah, awesome. Everyone, was, he went yeah. pick three in our draft. Yeah. yeah. Off the back with, of good JLT games. Yeah. I ended up trading Hamish Hartlett for him, I think. So, I've got him in my side at the, at the moment. Um, he averaged 81.6 from his first five games last season. So, mm-hmm. that's how good it was. Yeah. He moved into a forward position the second half of the year. And he only averaged 53 from his last 10 games. So, it's a bit stinky. And I think the role change kind of uh, messed him up a little bit. I guess the question is whether he gets more midfield time this season. So, you've got Cripps, Murphy, Walsh all clearly ahead. And then he kind of fits into this next tier where you've got your Paddy Dowds, your Matt Kennedys, your Liam Stockers, I guess. Those types that come in does Jack Martin come into the side and take that genuine mid forward role and pushes him back into the midfield or does he find it harder and does it hinder Fisher what do you think I think Jack Martin is guy that runs through their midfield yeah like he's that explosive speed out the the guards even onto a wing I don't think it really helps Zach Fisher yeah. at all in my opinion but I, I could be completely wrong yeah I'm just thinking maybe he might play a bit more forward and then Fisher goes into that permanent forward role and then pushes someone like Kennedy out of the side because he was playing quite a bit up forward late in the season I hate to tell you that Matt Kennedy was not in my top 26 no I'm not surprised (laughs) don't worry he's definitely not making my keeper list don't you worry All right. uh, speaking of Matt Kennedy though he he did make our worth mentioning list just listed as a forward this year if he can actually live up to that potential he's always been hyped up as a forward he could be pretty handy Um, but yeah he didn't kind of make our list here Uh, Paddy Dow is another one that uh, we talk about every year I think we've definitely talked about a lot last year and we're not going to talk about it again but uh, it is Paddy Dow's third year so if you're going to get excited this is the time to get excited Matt Kennedy just needs to find some of that form that he showed when he was at GWS and he had those few games where he just lit it up in the midfield and he's come to Carlton and just struggled so I'm not sure what's going on with him there to be honest I'd be happy to throw a late flyer at either of those two just on the off chance that something clicks this year under under the new coach all right, that wraps up our team analyses. Um, but yeah, let's just move on and talk about the uh, Keeper League membership uh, system that we've got going on. Um, just before we kind of spruik it, I guess, I just want to say a big thank you to anyone who bought a membership over the last uh, oh, yeah. week and a bit. We raised uh, 600, and, you know, say we and I think our listeners raised 670, um, bush, uh, $670 uh, for Bushfire Relief. So everything that, every membership that we sold over that last week um, has been donated to the Red Cross Australia Bushfire. 
Spitfire appeal. So hats off to you yeah, guys. Um, absolute legends. Um, yeah, just an awesome job and I'm sure that money, you know, it's not as big as some of the other fundraisers going around, but every little bit helps. So I'm glad that we kind of all, put, all of us put that together and uh, yeah, did something good like that. Thank you very much, everyone. All right, but on to the membership. So this year, if you're only tuning in uh, again this year and haven't listened to us for the last uh, few months on the bits and pieces we put out, we've gotten rid of the Patreon system and we've uh, brought in a membership to our website. So head to our keeperleaguepod.com.au and have a look at some of your membership options. But it basically runs the same way. It's just that everything's uh, hosted on our website now. So up so far, we've got the under-18 champs and the draftee state league numbers. Um, we've got the reserve state league numbers. We launched the breakout tracker on Monday. Monday. And Kays, our website has been going off. Uh, it's some of the biggest numbers we've ever seen. I'm actually kind of a bit nervous to see whether it's going to hold or whether it's just going to blow up. So. A real tip of the cap to Hef there. That's all Hef. So, um, a little bit of work if, there. If yeah. uh, you do enjoy it, uh, make sure you thank him. Don't thank me. <laughs> no, you know, I can't do this without you, mate. So you can definitely do this without me. I'm just the good looking face to this pod. Anyway, uh, so if you want to check out this stuff, there's links in the description. Uh, click on those, have a look at the membership options or just check out the website. But uh, yeah, every week we like to thank our members. This year we're getting such an influx of cases just spilled his beer for those listening at home. This year we're getting a huge influx of members, so we can't actually go through and um, read them all out at once. So we're just going to do five a week and kind of chip away at them. Uh, We'll boost the numbers of that if we need to later on in the year. But uh, yeah, thank yous to Sam, Yui, Nicholas, uh, Magali, iChurch, Tom Pettigrew and Russell Beasley, uh, especially Russell there. uh, I don't think we put out a tweet or anything like that without him liking it or commenting on it. Yeah, so. He's a complete legend. Thanks <laughs> yeah. us for boosting those engagement numbers on our socials. So, yeah, basically head to keeperleaguepod.com.au. Links in the description. Uh, you can check out our membership options and, you know, really you're supporting the podcast by buying one. Um, it's not about us being millionaires. We put everything back into the – yeah, we're a long way from millionaires. Just <laughs> we put that in there. We put everything we make back into, the, uh, back into the podcast. We don't pocket any of it. It just makes the podcast better and allows us to do more things. So, yeah, if you want to – support the podcast think about doing that and cheers for that legends okay before we move on to the listener tweets or the listener questions because not always tweets anymore but anyway um we just want to read through a podcast review so thanks to hot wheels uh underscore au is that the official hot wheels Oh, I'd be surprised if it was K's, but uh, <laughs> never know. Team Hot Wheels Australia may really love this podcast. Yeah, I'm sure. Anyway, uh, he's one written, can only dream. He's written. Uh, I'd be happy to be sponsored by Hot Wheels Australia if you're listening. We'll take any sponsorship. Thank you. Uh, anyway, let's uh, have a listen to what he had to say. So he wrote. Uh, Hot Wheels wrote. Required listening. The only regret you'll have is not listening to the pod earlier. So thanks for writing such a kind review there, Hot Thank Wheels. You. Um, and now we'll move on to the uh, listener questions. Okay, moving on to the listener questions for this week. Our first one comes from at Henry Katz. So, what needs to happen for Witherden to bounce back? What chance do you give him to average over 85? Now, I might answer this one, Kays, if that's all right it. with you. Um, all right, so my thinking with Alex Witherden is Luke Hodge is gone, so that should help him. He kind of hindered his kick-out numbers uh, last year. So, Witherden was f- – one of my greatest, like, Witherden moments is remembering that time he – in the preseason last year, he was going to kick 
stopped, made sure he stepped outside of the goal square so his plus three counted. Now, this guy thinks about fantasy yeah, when he plays. He's but, a guy after our own hearts. <laughs> exactly. But uh, when it comes to the actual proper season and not pre-season, uh, I think he has to do what's best for the team. So Luke Hodge took quite a few kickouts last year, probably because he's the slowest bloke on the team. He just was – and a good leg, just kind mm. of quarterbacked them out from uh, the goal square. So with him gone, it should help. Daniel Career's, I guess, late career rise, Daniel Career, Daniel Rich's late career rise um, has hurt him a bit, I think. So if Rich didn't have that season last year, we'd all be talking about Witherden like he's a, one of the best backs in the competition, I think. So that's hurt him a bit. And you're going to need Birchall to stay out of it. So yep. you're going to need him to get injured or just not come to the side or not do much. That said, I think he should improve this year. I can definitely see him get back to those 80 score. I think just the fact that Luke Hodge is gone will help. Um, but yeah, I'm not expecting... Huge numbers from him, but I can see the 80-plus backman coming back. Do you have any thoughts, Kate? Uh My thoughts are I just forgot to talk about Grant Birchall in our uh, Brisbane recap. But apart from that, you are spot on. So what happened was two years ago um, when Luke Hodge was there, it was Hodge and Witherden because Rich was really non-existent at that time. Then Rich came back and he took Witherden's spot and Hodge, you know, basically continued doing what he's doing. So this is the first year we just get the complete rich Witherden situation and they and his numbers should rise back to the fact that they're both the, the key out takers now. Totally agree um, that Birchall's the biggest danger. I don't have him in the Brisbane best 22 purely because of fitness reasons and, and I had some stats there that while his uh, time on ground percentage to, to points was fantastic for Hawthorne last year, he's really only played 48 games in five years and three games in the last two seasons. So his body's going to have to be completely right before he really gets a crack in the Brisbane side. And I just don't know whether they brought him there just as kind of um, the cover or the, the type of role that um, Hodge was playing for them. But um, I think you could almost be confident in backing with it and to get back to those 2018 numbers. I think that Hodge's um, departure is massive for him. But yeah, we just need Grant Birchall to stay injured. All right, and don't worry about uh, Grant Birchall, mate. We'll go back and record that at the end of the podcast. So no, we won't. Real it's done. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah, it's fine. I basically said it all then. I'm very efficient. All right. All um, next question. Let me get this show back on the road. Uh, at James Plays FS, Brody Smith feels like someone I should be selling high on, uh, but I'm in the premiership window, so we'll probably end up keeping him. What are your thoughts? All right, with Brody Smith. So. If Crows, Crows persist with that leg speed that they wanted at the end of last season with Matt and, you know, carried over with Matthew Nix, he should be close to a primo defender this year, I think. So, yeah, being named as a defender despite playing wing for the end of the year is a huge bonus. Um, he averaged 93.4 in the last 10 games and 97 from his last five. So, Look, yes, he probably is someone that may not maintain these scoring heights, but he's not that old as he K's. He's no. only late twenties, yep. mid to late twenties. Look, I don't think you have to worry about him. The issue is like he might not be the defender going past this year, but it all depends on what Matthew Nix does with him, and it's way too early to tell what the yeah. go is. I would definitely be holding him. What do you reckon, Case? If you if the Crows continued how they did last year in Smith's role, you've got to keep him. Because I think that he's just one who's going to continue what happened in his last yeah. five. Because as a defender as well. Because no I think the Crows, even though they didn't really finish the season with the wins, his footy was a highlight for their side, you know, the last five to ten games. So I think that his kind of progression into the midfield uh, wing is is huge and I think his scoring is going to continue that way. So I'd be crazy if you traded him. You'd have to get a really, really nice offer um, to get rid of to get him off my hands, I think. 
All right, next question from at Time Miller. Uh, Kay, I'm going to ask you this one. Mm. Is weetering going to start being less crap? <laughs> That's a bit tough because I'm actually a bit of a weetering believer, um, believe it or not. His role and his fantasy scoring is completely role dependent. So, the last year or two, he's just been getting these lockdown roles. And what I just don't understand is why Carlton would invest, pick one on a guy they're just going to play at fullback. It, it makes no sense. So, for me, he's actually a fantastic player and fantasy scorer if he gets that interceptor role. It really just comes down to Carlton's back set up and it even affects with with Kerno and uh, Mackay at the moment because I think if Carlton can have a settled back line with Marchbank, Plowman, Jones, Casbold even, I think if Wiedering can play that like third or fourth tall or fourth defender, fourth main defender and just come across, intercept, take clunks, use the ball well, he's a, he's a great kick. I reckon he can actually improve his numbers, but there's just no, you know, um, definitive answer whether that's going to happen or not, especially with what's happening uh, with their injuries. So it's tough. I, I, I just can't get a can't get a proper feel in it because I, I do believe he's a fantasy player. He just has never been able to give the opportunity to do it. I don't think there's too many centre-half backs or tall defenders that you don't think can be a fantasy player. You love quite a few of them, Kay. But he's not... He's actually not a centre-half back. But he is. <laughs> That's he's like he a half-back. So, you, <laughs> he's, he's, he could be what Tom Duday does, but... Carlton, yeah, so Carlton's se- backline don't allow him to do it. Yeah, he'll be 70 at best. Like, that's if everything goes to nah, plan. Nah, it's nah, not nah. worth the risk for me. But no defenders are really, really hard play- hard positions to get good players in and, and consistent players. And the thing is, like, if he could just actually become a half-back flank of a Carlton and they just take all that responsibility off him, I would back him in to be close to an 80 defender. Mm. It's just that they, how their list is and how how they play, they just don't let him do that. All right, let's not get stuck up on the uh, key defender debate, but I'm going to ask you another question, Kate. Yes. And this one comes from at 17.dotty7. Uh, shout out to Dotty, he's always around on the socials too. Um, love to hear your thoughts on Tom Cutler. What do you, sorry, what role do you think he may play with the Dons this year? Well, Dotty, I hate to disappoint you on a Wednesday, but uh, you'll have to wait until next week's pod. So. Oh, that's harsh, mate. No, no, I've got, <laughs> I've got high hopes for Tom Cutler, but uh, I'm going to dissect him in the Essendon preview next week. All right, we're going to talk about Essendon in detail. Next yes. week, so he will feature in that. Another friend of the pod, Hef, is Arbri19, the weapon himself. Uh, his question is, is it finally Jared Berry time or does the arrival of Ellis Yolman hurt his midfield time? Look, I think he'll improve again, but I'm just not sure how far he'll go. I think if he gets that 90 mark, like around that mark, I don't think that's out of the question, but it's just hard to see where he goes behind Neil, Zorko, Lyons, McCluggage, all those type of players, mm. where the growth comes from, I think. Uh, it's a bit hard with that midfield so strong at the moment. Um, yeah, sorry, you go. I'm keen. Okay. So one, he's won his time trial at Brisbane. <laughs> you love time trials. I love this shit, man. This is the way the hype comes in. This is why I'm so excited. Like all these idols coming out now, like someone's fit as fuck, you know, like Jared Berry is looking like an absolute behemoth. Like, the, but mainly why I'm excited. I don't he, think Dane Swan ever got anywhere near winning a time trial and he was the best fantasy player ever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> anyway. Uh, what I like about what I like about Jared Berry in 2020. Remember last season he went with glandular fever, I think it was. Yeah. So his um, preseason was hindered because couldn't train to the full extent. He's fit, he's flying, he's winning time trials. I think naturally he's going to take the next step. And whether you like it or not, guys like Zorko are 
getting towards the end of their careers. You know, like there's a few guys yeah, yeah. who are on the way out. I think he's actually going to be a really great fantasy player, and I can't see a reason why no. it won't be this year. I think so. Well, I think so too. I just think Zorko's still got another good year or two in him. No doubt. Um, Neil's a superstar, that sort of yeah. stuff. So that's going to hinder him. As well with uh, Cam Ellis-Yolman, he definitely would have been better if he didn't come to the side, I think, because it just adds more pressure, I think, as but it's well. it's not like he was a, the best, best, best Crows player no, no, definitely ever not. But you know, like it's, it's just not like the, he's the, the, he's amazing. No, like, no it's I just think the talk Barry that Chris Fagan well is very keen to play him by the sounds. But I don't think it's going to be at the extent of someone like Jared Berry. I think it's just going to, just, it just spreads the numbers out more. That's all. Uh, Anyway, Disagree. monitor the preseason and just Definitely. see where all of those players are playing and what roles they're doing. I think that's the best advice we can probably give. That's fair enough. Uh, next question, Dingo Boyo. Would like to know your thoughts on Jacob Allison. Great size defensive inside mid, but no opportunity so far. Uh, yeah, look, with um, Jacob Allison, a year ago, I would have said no, just going by his NFL numbers. He couldn't even score there. Therefore, if you can't score in the NFL, you can't score anywhere. Yep. But uh, they, they definitely improved this year. So he averaged 92.4 in the NFL this season, had 25 disposals per game, 18 kicks, seven handballs. It's a really good ratio for fantasy. Just the same deal with pretty much every Brisbane player, though. I just don't see where he gets in the yeah. side. Um, he's 22 this year, so he's probably still one to monitor. And probably one that you'd pick up if you do like a rookie list like we do, where you can keep them for an extra year if you draft them right at the very end. Um, That he'd be a great stash for that, I think. Or just aim really late to get him. But I just can't see right now where he gets in the side due to just genuine job security and that sort of stuff with yeah. the Brisbane, uh, Brisbane midfield. Brisbane, Brisbane best, team, sorry. Yeah, Brisbane best 22. Like, you know, you know guys like Brandon Stasevich who have been hyped up on AFL yeah. websites, you know, like Grant Birchall, Cedric Cox, Callum Archie. Like, these are the guys that aren't even getting in my version of their best 22. And you got then you keep going down the list of Smith, Lyons, um, uh, Allison. You know, like, there's so many. They've actually got so much depth in that side. It's ridiculous. So, you know, he's one of those guys that you take the punt on and it might pay off if he gets a chance, but it might not. So, really tough one to uh, to gauge. But uh, if you like him, keep the faith. I always say that. If you do have a feeling, back yourself in. All right. From Facebook now. So, uh, Simon Moore, he asked the top five draftees that you'd want to keep in your keeper league side? Question mark. Yes. Yeah, so, he did do a uh, draftee pod Yep. Late last year, yep. um, so we look, basically just in that we'll just explain that. So that was for a, that was members only. We went through the top twenty fantasy draftees that were taken. So we didn't look at the draft order. We thought who would be the best fantasy scorers in future going forward. So case continue. So taking that into account, where we ranked them uh, late last year and kind of the hype that's been uh, spread around the AFL circles this year, I think the five guys I'd be looking to take this year, um, even though it's a keeper leg and we're looking towards the future, I think guys they still need to have some kind of impact this year or will explode the year after. So I think Matt Rouse a no-brainer for Gold Coast, pick number one, uh, Fantasy Jet. There seems to be lots of talk about both Dylan Stevens and Will Gould playing at Sydney, especially Gould off uh, like a half-back flank back pocket. So uh, he's one I'm quite strong on, especially because he's a backman. Uh, Dylan Stevens, I've always liked the class of him. I like guys who play league footy as juniors. Dylan Stevens uh, was a pretty good SANFL player last season, so always going with him. Caleb Sarong, I think, will get plenty of opportunity at Fremantle. Yep. Also has some good... And Fantasy Jet. Correct. And uh, last, I think, Tom Green. He's also got some fantastic underage and NEFL numbers um, and then got drafted to GWS, which is a bit of a pain in the ass because they're just going to be strong again. But if you look at his pure numbers and the fact that uh, they played him in their NEFL side last year and he actually scored 
decently. Yeah. Um, he's one that I'd like to get a piece of. I'll give you the top five players that we picked in that podcast. Uh, so you can have the top five. If you want, you know, if you want six through to 20, you're going to have to sign up for a membership and have a listen to it. But I'll give you the top five. Everyone knows about him anyway, so it doesn't matter. So for me, is uh, Rao is going to be the best fantasy scorer, I think. Then Devin Robertson. Caleb Sarong after that for me. Trent Rivers and then Noah Anderson would be my top five. And they're the top five that we chose in that podcast. Interesting. Yeah. All right, uh, at Destroyer, uh, in a dynasty league where you can keep everyone, what value does pick one have? Right, so I had a good thing about this today. I think it probably really depends on how strong the, the previous year's draft is. So I know it's always a hard one to judge because everyone's a genius in hindsight, but I think for someone like 2019 where Sam Walsh was just a clear, clear standout, I think that's an important time to have pick one. But on the flip side, you know, if you waited a few picks or you managed to bundle up pick four and five for pick one, you could have got, you know, Rosie, Dersma, Haitley, these kind of guys who all proved their fantasy worth last year. So this year, I'm not so sure. I think that um, apart from Rao, um, even Anderson, you know, lots of the hype kids went to, uh, sorry, apart from Rao and Anderson, lots of the really strong, the hype kids in terms of fantasy, which we talk about on that, that pod that you just alluded to, they went to strong clubs, so they won't get the opportunity straight away. So for me, I think in a normal keeper league, it always comes down to your depth of knowledge. So there's always gems to be found. So in a dynasty league, I don't think not having pick one or even pick one to five is like the death of your side. I think it's about how much research you go into using resources like we've got with the the under 18 scores, you can see guys like, I don't know, um, Dylan Stevens or Will Gould, who we talk about, who, you know, put up good numbers in SANFL, um, which is fantastic. So it might not be the end of it if you don't get pick one. In a dynasty league, I don't think pick one's the end, be all and end all, but I think knowing your draft pool is most important. Jeez, I thought you were going to go on like a politician there and just not actually answer the question and just beat around the bush with like waffle information and stuff there. But you answered it in the end, so it was good. For me, if, you've, if you're in a dynasty league where you can keep anyone you want, that means the draft pool is going to have nothing in it. Pick one is the most important thing in that league, apart from maybe making a few good trades. So no. I think it's very important, especially no. in a year like this where no. your draftees aren't very good. You've only got Matt Rao, really, who's the absolute standout. This year, pick one has tremendous value. No. You don't reckon? <clears throat> no, because it's just like any AFL draft. Like, oh, like, you know, people would, I'm sure Richmond were pretty stoked when they took Richard Tambling at pick one. Yeah, Did that I, work I know, out I know well, what you, you mean. Know, like, I know what you mean, but it's still valuable. Like, people would want it. Because, like, if you had pick one last year with Sam Walsh, yeah. it was a no brainer. Of course. I think Rao's going to be pretty similar this year. But then I think it really drops off and it doesn't Oh, matter. yeah. So that's why pick one is so valuable. <laughs> but I don't think so. Would you rather, would you rather. <laughs> you just said pick one's available. No, 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 And then no. it drops it off. No, but would you, my point is, would you rather have one of Sam Walsh or one of Connor Rosie and Jackson Haley? Yeah, last year, sure. But I don't think he's asking that. I think he's in like In this one. year. Yeah, yeah, I know. But yeah. like, <laughs> I still think that you could. Like, yes, you might miss on out and round, but I think if you could somehow get like Sarong and Stevens or Sarong and Green in a dynasty, that's going to, you might end up coming out on top because if you're looking about it, you probably get Rao and some other guy, you know, pick Yeah, 15, I just think this year Rao's streets ahead. But anyway, we'll move on. Um, what's the next one? We've got another one question? from Arbri19. How'd he sneak two in there? That's bullshit. Dirty dog. I'd mean, um, feel ripped off if I was another listener. How does Dom Sheed go to this season with, go this season with the inclusion of Tim Kelly into the Eagles midfield? All right. So, yeah, I don't think it helps. Um, I think that's pretty obvious. So, he, 
He already battles when West Coast midfield is at full strength. Kelly, you know, on the positive, I guess, should spend a bit more time up forward. Um, it's one of those things where look, I've got no idea until I see a few more media reports. I see how they're going to line up in the Marsh series. I see how they're going to line up in round one. Um, it's a bit hard, but I just don't think it's super positive straight away. What do you reckon? Agreed. I think Dom Shea might even become a really, really good half forward flanker kind of thing. Yeah, perhaps. You know, won't, uh, won't be averaging 100 plus though. No, he's he's he's... he's definitely going to be hurting until yeah. you know something happens to that mid, uh, yeah. that west coast side where he can get more chance but i think Kelly is bad news for Sheehan. You could even see last year as a bit of a flash in the pan because if you look at his numbers before that they're not great either so and he's always been very unreliable yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, next question, Nick James. Oh, sorry. Except if you're relying on him to kick a set shot in front of a golden grand final, but uh, from the band. <laughs> anyway, uh, sorry, Nick James. Which of these backs should I delist to free up some room before the draft? He's looking at delisting one, maybe two. The players are Blake Hardwick, Braden Maynard, Grant Birchall, Jack Scrimshaw, Mason Redman, and Zach Tui. I'd go Birchall and Tui. Just age factor. Um, the rest yeah. have kind of more upside going forward. I think. Maynard's the lock, probably Redmond as well. I think they're really good. Scrimshaw yep. shows a bit for me. I'm a bit of a fan. Birchall is just so unreliable. You, you, you're just going to get him late in a yep. draft anyway. Um, and even Tui, his year last year was pretty average. I'm not sure if he's still best 22. Tui? Yeah. Uh, we'll have I to think, wait and see for I your best so. 22s, mate. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. And uh, I don't even know if he's in there. And Blake Hardwick, I thought he actually put together a pretty solid year in his uh, – his ceiling was very uh, – his, sorry, his floor was very high. Like, he never really had a bad game. So, they're always good as backmen. Uh, Mr. Stewstar, uh, Oscar Allen, how close is he to a breakout year? Well, I think the kid can play um, and, you know, he could break out in real football, sure. But uh, just not sure where he sits in terms of fantasy. Now, you, everyone knows I'm weary of the key position type players. And you need Kennedy – record. <laughs> you need Kennedy for, uh, just to become completely, completely done. Mm. Um, or he starts – sharing the ruck load. So they start playing Nick Nat and um, Oscar Allen and he kind of takes those taps yeah. and gets a few more there. But I just don't see that as a viable way of maintaining his scoring either. Look, monitor both situations. See how Kennedy goes. If he does a injury, you know, a yeah. few weeks out from the season, he's going to miss the start of the year. Um, or it looks like he might be d- doing a bit more rucking, maybe consider. But I wouldn't. Yeah. He's not one who's high on my list. For me, he's a great player to watch. I think he... He, this is going to look end up being like a Tom Hawkins or something like that in terms of a fantasy, fantasy perspective. Yeah. Like, we'll kick a few bags, do a few good things, but you can't – he's not going to be a, a rosterable player each year, I don't think, going forward. All right, Kay, last question of the night. What is mm. it? It is from at ZachDaddy6. Does Humic Luggage take his game to the next level this year or is he destined to be a, 19, a 90s wingman? Yeah, look, a mid-90s wingman is where I see him at. Um, just for the time being – He'd need to add that inside game um, for me, and that's taken up by Neil Zorko and Lyons. I just don't see how he's getting in there. What do you reckon? Uh, I totally agree. He's and that's not his role. Like he's best. He's basically the competition's best wingman. Yeah. You know, like so. Why would the Lions put him in the midfield for fantasy yeah. reasons? He he's a great wingman. He's going to score that each week and week out. I think you know you just got to be happy with these guys sometimes. Yeah. I think that uh, he's your, your your absolute primo mid three. You know yeah. what I mean? Like your third, you can have one of the best tier three midfielders. In three the or top. four, he's yeah. going to be that for, yeah. uh, forever. Yep. yep, for sure. 
All right, Kays, that uh, wraps up the podcast. That was a big one, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think uh, looking at the time, I've got to cut it up, but we've gone about uh, yeah an hour and a half here, so wow. <laughs> we'll see how we go. Anyway, um, yeah, to wrap it up, uh, check out all of our socials. So we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, YouTube, everywhere we're on, basically. We've got content coming up on all of those, uh, at Keeper League Pod, at all of those, except for YouTube, just search us up and you'll find the Keeper League there. I'll put all the links in the description as well for you guys to have easy access to. But uh, yeah, that's the first podcast for the year, uh, done and dusted, and three teams done. Feels good. Yeah. Uh, who we got next week? We got Collingwood, Essendon, and Fremantle. Fremantle. So mm. yep, look forward to those. Uh, lots of um, keeper league gems to come, and yeah, hopefully we can find some bargains for you. Have a great week. Yeah, take it easy. See you guys.